following radio programs are original broadcasts. While enhancements have been made to the audio for clarity and listener enjoyment, no other edits or modifications have been made. The listener may hear advertisements and notices for tobacco products, alcohol, food, and or services that may no longer be available, nor are they endorsed by whose blind life is it anyway. Listener discretion is advised. Hello everybody, this is Monica, welcoming you to another Sunday afternoon of the Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday, and I'm here with my guru, Victor. Merry Christmas. And we want to welcome you, we're doing, right now we're doing Christmas shows the whole month of December. So, uh, just sit back with us, take your shoes off, and enjoy yourself. If you like what you hear, um, we're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Um, you can go up there and comment. Uh, we'd be glad to have comments, suggestions. And uh, if you don't like doing any of that stuff, you can catch us on any podcast. We're on all of them. Spotify, QCast, Apple, um even Alexa will go get them. Um, so, anyway, um, the first one that we're going to do is, um, and uh, at the end of the show, I'll tell you how you can contact us, um, like I've been doing. But anyway, this first one is, uh, it's kind of, it's for the kiddos. Um, it's the Aldridge family selling Christmas cards and the Aldridge family, Henry Aldridge is, he's always this well-meaning he reminds me of uh, Dennis the Menace except he's a little older he's, he's this well-meaning kid that's always he's, he, he wants to start out to do something good but then he'll always get it messed up somewhere along the line and uh, he has this kid that's with him I forgot what his name is and he always he tries to straighten him up but uh, you know, Henry, he kind of always thinks he's right, but, <laughs> uh, anyway, this one's called, uh, Selling Christmas Cards, and hope you like it. The Aldrich Family, based on characters originated by Clifford Goldsmith, and starring Ezra Stone as Henry, with Jackie Kelk as Homer. Henry! Henry Aldrich! Come on, mother! <laughs> Schofield, Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn. They're more than just characters in books, for the things they say and do are the things real boys say and do. And Henry Aldrich is another of these typical American youngsters. A boy from your own block, perhaps from your own home. Now our scene opens at the Aldrich telephone. Hello, operator. I want Elm 629. Elm 629? Henry, tell him exactly what you think of him. Gee whiz, they must have arrived by now. Number, please. Operator, I just gave it to you. Elm 629. Henry! Yes, Father? Are you 
through with that telephone? No, sir. I'm still trying to get my number. Hello, Centerville Station. This is Henry Aldridge. I sent away for a package about ten days ago, and I wonder whether it's come yet. A package? Yes, sir. It's some Christmas cards. Did you say Christmas cards? Yes, sir. Well, if you checked them that long ago, they've probably been thrown out by now. What's that? Oh, I didn't check them. I'm still waiting for them. How's that? They're samples for next Christmas. Homer Brown and I are going to sell them from house to house, only they're not here yet, and we're worried. Give them the deuce, Henry. Well, you're talking with the ticket office. Hold the line, I'll connect you with the express department. Well, that's what I want to talk to. Gee whiz. What does he say, Henry? He's switching me. He thinks they may have been thrown out. Thrown out? What does he think we're going to show people for samples? Hello, Centerville Express Office. Hello, do you have any Christmas cards there? What's that? What did you want? This is Henry Aldrich. Henry Aldrich? He isn't here. I know it. He's here. Who is? Does he want to speak to me, Henry? Let go of the receiver, Homer. You're twisting me. Hello, hello. Did you want the Centerville Express office? Yes. Have Henry Aldridge's Christmas cards come? What's that? Would you speak a little louder, please? Where are my Christmas cards? You know, it's a funny thing, but it sounds as though you keep saying Christmas cards. I am. They were sent by Express. Well, this is a fine time to be calling us. You should have reported it last January. But I just ordered them in May. Well, why don't you come down here sometime and fill out a tracer? But, gee was don't you realize there's a war bond drive on? What's that? We don't get those samples. We can't get any orders to buy bonds with. I'm sorry, but you'll have to come down. But wait, I... Hello? Hello? That's telling him where to get off, Henry. Imagine. Henry? Yes, Father? Are you through? Yes, sir, for a second. Could we ask you something? Not until I put in my call. But it's important. What's it about? Why, uh, Christmas, Mr. Aldrich. Will you boys please get away from this phone? Yes, Father. Will you let us know as soon as you can discuss it, Mr. Aldrich? Sam! Yes, Alice, I'm going to phone Mr. Thomas. What are you going to say to him, Sam? I'm going to ask him quite frankly why he can't attend a few more committee meetings. You aren't going to say anything you'll be sorry for, are you? I'm not going to be one bit sorry. Here we are, ready to start a big bond club drive. Everybody's for it. They think it's a fine thing. But a few in this town aren't doing anything about it. Isn't Mr. Howard helping? He is not. There's another example. We have a chance to get some war bond show cards at cost. And Mr. Howard, the treasurer of the committee, can't show enough interest to make up his mind as to how many show cards we need. Well, dear, if I were you, I'd resign from the committee. And call off the war? Well, you can't fight it single-handed. Father! Yes? Alice, where's the phone book? It's right there on the stand. I know you've got a lot on your mind, Father, but would it be all right if I should ask you just one thing? What about? Christmas, remember? Christmas? Yes, sir. Have you bought your cards yet? Henry, will you please step out of my life while I look up this number? Hello, operator. I want Elm 232. Now, wait a minute. I just thought I'd ask my mother whether I can go down to the express office. Father, where are you going? Down to the office and put in the call. <laughs> Now then, uh, tell me once more why you came down here to the express office. Well, I'm Henry Aldridge, and my friend and I are going to sell Christmas cards, see? Say that again, please. You're doing what? We're selling Christmas cards for next Christmas. Oh, and I wouldn't be interested. But wait. <laughs> you told us to come down here. Here's the whole thing. We sent away for some samples, see? We're going to take orders, but... You don't have to put any money down until September 1st, and we'd like to know where they are. Is that clear? Yes. Where what are? 
Our Christmas card. Henry, maybe I better explain it to him. No, Homer, you'll only confuse him. All I know is there's nothing like that here. Well, what are we going to do? Here it is June and Christmas is getting closer every month. I'll say. Gee whiz, we're going to use all the profits to join the War Bond Club. You are? Well, I'll take a good look, but I'm pretty sure that if there were any Christmas cards in this office, I'd know about it. Could one of you boys help me with this package, please? Yeah, sure. Hello, Mrs. Howard. Hello, Henry. Oh, thank you so much. That's all right. This is heavy, isn't it? Thank you. I always said you were a gentleman. Well, thank you, Mrs. Howard. Would you... Would you be interested in some samples of Christmas cards, provided we can find them? (laughs) That's very funny. What is? No, really, Mrs. Howard. We're selling them for bonds. For what? Don't you know? War bonds. We're going to give 10% of our income. Wouldn't you like to have us come over as soon as our samples come and take an order? You want me to sit down on a hot day like this and pick out my Christmas cards for next winter? Why not? And, Mrs. Howard, I guess we haven't made ourselves clear. What they do is print your name on each card. That's what takes the time. Sure. Especially if they print it in Old English. You mean it takes six months? Well, if you want it done right, it does. And, Mrs. Howard, if you put it off, the first thing you know, snow will be falling and the Christmas bells will be ringing... My goodness, what's that? What's what? Oh, just a freight train. Oh. Couldn't we interest you, Mrs. Howard? Just to sort of help our drive. Well, do you have any playing cards that aren't too fancy with just Merry Christmas on them? Oh, yes. I'm pretty sure we have. And they're cheap, I think. Well, I'll tell you what you do. Mr. Howard does all the ordering, so you phone him, and if it's all right with him, it's all right with me. Well, thanks very much. Do you want your name printed in Old English? Yes, you might as well, as long as we've got plenty of time. Gee, Henry, there's no shipment here that I can locate. You're sure? Oh, Mr. Harris, I want to send that box of books there. Collect. It's all marked and everything. Yes, ma'am. You want to wait for a receipt? No, I'm in a hurry. I want to get home before I get stuck in a snowdrift. What's that? What's that? Merry Christmas. (laughs) What did she say? It's all right. Are you sure our package isn't here? Yes, sir. Because, gee, how are we going to buy bonds if we can't go to work? You're buying bonds? Sure, that's what this whole thing is about. Sure. Henry and I are having a drive. In conjunction with the rest of the town? Oh, sure. Well, I didn't know it was that important. Now, you say your package was shipped about how long ago? Ten days ago, wouldn't you say, home? That's the way I figure it. I see. Do you know whether it had anything breakable in it? Breakable? Yes, any glass. Glass? No, I wouldn't say so. Would you, Homer? No, I've never seen a glass one that I can remember. No, I'd say definitely. No glass. Uh-huh. Well, let's fill out one of these blanks here and see whether we can get a tracer started. And please make it urgent. Oh, yes. And add no glass. Do you think it'll take very long? Because until it gets here, we're practically at a standstill. Well, I don't suppose I ought to do it, but since it's connected with the Bond Club drive, I'll send the main express office a wire. <laughs> Hello, is this Mr. Bush's office? Mr. Bush? Now, this is Sam Ulrich. See, I was just talking with Ted Thomas. I asked him to do a little work on this bond club committee, and he seemed very much pleased. Yes? In fact, he said he was for it 100%. Fine. The only thing is, he says he's sorry. He has a couple of other things that he's going to have to give his time to, and he suggested you take his place. Now, that's for the bond committee, Sam? Yes. That's uh, fine. That's just fine. Glad to have the opportunity. In fact, I'm 500% for it. Well, that's fine. Now, I'll tell you what we want you to do. Now, now wait, Sam. Wait. Before we get too far into this, I... Unfortunately, I have a lot of work on my desk. It's already way behind. You have? Yes, I'm a little ashamed of myself to let it go this far, especially at a time like this. I see. I'll tell you what I'll do. Get hold of John Clark. He's the man for you. John Clark? Yes, yes. I was having lunch with him yesterday. 
you saying he wished he could do something to help out. He said he felt so useless. He did? Well, that's fine. As a matter of fact, Sam, why don't you call him yourself? Easy for you to make direct contact. All right, thanks. Oh, that's okay, Sam. Anything else I can do? Don't hesitate calling. Fine. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, that's a fine thing. Here's a letter for you, Mr. Aldrich. Thank you. Put it on my desk. Is Mr. Bush against the bond drive? No, no. He's very much for it. In fact, he's 500% for it. That's more than anyone else I've called up this morning. Did you talk to Mr. Howard? Yes, he said he doesn't think a thousand show cards are necessary to advertise the bond drive. What does he want us to do? Keep it a secret? Well, he said he wants to think it over and you ought to call him back. Are you going to ask Mr. Clark to help you? Not right away. I'm going to sit down and rest a minute. the telegram the express company sent I still can't believe it, Homer. Read it again. It says, Aldridge, Centerville, have no record shipment of Christmas trees this year. <laughs> Wire further details collect. Well, if that isn't the darndest thing, how could people be so dumb, Henry? What do you think we ought to say in reply? Tell them we can't understand their telegram. Will they please wire us more details? Well, that isn't going to get us anywhere, Homer. We've got to send them a very careful explanation. All right, only I don't know how we're going to do it in ten words. Why should we worry about ten words? They say send it collect. You got a pencil? Sure. What do we say? Gentlemen. Gentlemen. Then how about don't want Christmas trees? Sure. That'll tell them. We cannot purchase war bonds because order we placed ten days ago has not arrived. Sure. Have you misplaced Christmas cards? Some of those were New Year's cards, Homer. They were? Let's just say... Have you misplaced holiday greetings? That's good. That'll tell the whole story. Here, Homer, take it over to the ticket office and finish writing it down while I phone Mr. Howard. What for? Tell him his wife wants him to place an order with us. You know, the more I think about this telegram, the better I like it. What's Mr. Howard's number? 855. 855? Sure. Number, please. Uh, Elm, 855. Elm, 855. Henry, do you think we ought to cut out any of this just to reduce the cost? What do you think? Well... The only word that isn't necessary is gentlemen. Why should they have to pay to be called a thing like that? <laughs> okay, scratch it out. Mr. Howard speaking. Hello, this is Henry Aldridge. What did you say, Aldridge? Yes, sir. Oh, yes. Uh, you're calling about the cards, aren't you, Aldridge? The cards? Yes, sir. Well, that's a coincidence. I was just sitting here thinking about them. You were? About how large are they? Well, I'm sorry... But the samples aren't here yet. Have you any ideas for the price? You mean by the dozen? Oh, you aren't trying to be sarcastic, are you, Aldridge? What's that? Well, I'll tell you what I'll do with you. If your heart's set on it, I'll settle for 500. What's that? But not one more. That's all we have. 500? That's right. Well, what kind of lettering would you like on them? Something in the way of Old English? Old English? Uh, don't you think block letters would be easier to read at a distance? At a distance? Well, they're going to be tacked up on telephone poles, aren't they? Are they? Is this Mr. Howard? Yes, this is still Mr. Howard. Are you sure you want 500? Yes, sir. We can cover this town easily with that. Goodbye. Homer! Homer! Hi, Henry. Gee whiz, we've got to send another telegram to the express company and hurry them up. Why? Mr. Howard's taking 500. In old English? Have you seen this, Joe? What is it? The adjustment desk sent it up to us. It's a telegram from Centerville, signed Aldrich. Now, what's it about? Well, I don't understand it. It says, don't want Christmas trees. Cannot purchase war bonds because order placed ten days ago not arrived. Have you misplaced holiday greetings? Well, that's clear enough. What sense do you make out of it? Well, they're having some kind of a bond drive. But what are they using Christmas trees for? Don't ask me. Uh, probably for decorations. And they decided it was a bad idea. But we don't have any shipment of trees. All right, fine. And everybody's happy. 
Hey, but Joe, why do they say have you misplaced holiday greetings? Hey, what's that? Isn't that a period right after misplaced? Is that a period? Sure, but it ought to be a question mark. Here's how it goes. Cannot purchase war bonds because order placed ten days ago has not arrived. Have you misplaced? Question mark. Holiday greetings. All of <laughs> What are the holiday greetings for? I don't know. Isn't next Sunday Father's Day? <laughs> well, sure, but how do they know I'm a father? And look at this, Joe. What they're looking for is a shipment of bonds. Of war bonds? That says so right there. The driver's held up because we misplaced the shipment. Gee, Bill, that's a pretty serious thing. Uh, telegram, Mr. Cooper. Well, what's this one about? I don't know, but it's marked right. Oh, it's another one from Aldrich. It says, must have shipment. Have sold 500. Holiday greetings. <laughs> Polite guy, isn't he? <laughs> We're going to get into trouble, Bill. You better send that up to the superintendent and let him try to figure it out. Now getting back to the troubles of Henry Aldridge. Henry and Homer had planned to take orders for Christmas cards in order to make enough money to buy a war bond. When the samples for the cards did not arrive, they wired the express company. They wired a second time. While the boys are waiting at the station for a second reply, the scene opens in Mr. Aldrich's office. Hello? Is this John Clark? This is Mr. Clark. Well, this is Sam Aldrich, John. Yes? I was talking with Mr. Bush this morning about our bond drive. I wanted him to do some work on one of the committees. Yes, is he going to? Well, he wants to. He's for us 500%. But he's tied up right now, and he suggested I call you and see whether you couldn't help us out. Well, that's fine. That's fine. I'm glad you called. Good. Now I'll tell you what we'd like to have you do. Uh, now, wait, Sam. Uh, is this something that has to be done in the next few days? Yes, it'll have to be. Well, that's too bad. Uh, because after next week, I could give you all the time you want. But you can't right now. Well, you know how things are in my business, Sam. I'm with your heart and soul, but my hands are tied. I see. You know me, Sam. I'm for this drive a thousand percent. And I wish you luck. Goodbye. Goodbye. Here's a box that just arrived, Mr. Aldridge. A box? What's in it? A supply of 10% pledge buttons for the bond drive. Are they all 10%? Aren't any of them a thousand percent? Hello, Sam Aldridge speaking. Uh, this is Howard. Yes, Howard. Sorry I was out when you called, but I got your message. My message? Yes, and I don't understand it. What message are you referring to? Whether I prefer red or green envelopes. For what? For the cards, the show cards. Why would we want envelopes for them? That's what I'm asking you. Uh, we certainly don't want to go to the expense of ordering a thousand envelopes. A thousand? Now, look here, Aldrich. We agreed to order only 500 cards. Oh, we did? So let's not spend any more time discussing it. I've got a lot of things on my mind. Are you too busy to come to a meeting at 2? I'm afraid I am, Sam. I've got a late luncheon engagement. But you call me when it's over and let me know what you did. Yes, of course. Goodbye, Sam. Goodbye. Sam! Alice, what are you doing down here at the office? Sam, I thought we were going to meet for lunch. I've been waiting in front of the Emporium for half an hour for you. I'm sorry, Alice, but I've got work to do on the Bond Club parade. Dear, do you have to work this hard? Why can't Henry help you? Now, Alice, what good can one boy do? Read it again, Henry. I've already read it four times, Holmes. Well, read it again. I can't believe it. Aldridge, Centerville, greetings to you. Entire force trying to trace shipment for bond drive. If unable, locate, advise reordering through Treasury Department. Please wire further wishes. They're crazy, Henry. And it's signed by the general superintendent. Well, that's what's the trouble. Do you know what my father does when he can't get action? What? He goes straight to the president of the company. Does that help? Sure. Let me have your pencil. Here. Gee was don't they realize we're losing orders left and right? And Henry, what about the big parade? We don't want to ride on the float if we haven't even bought our bond. That's what I say. What are you writing? President of the Express Company. 
Time is growing short. Now, how about time is shortening? Yeah, time is shortening. Losing orders. What will we do about Barn Parade? Please send greetings. That's telling them, Homer. Do you think it's clear? Clear? Why, it's as plain as day. And look, just as soon as we've sent this, let's call Mr. Howard again. What for? I just thought of something else we forgot to ask him. Any calls while I was out for lunch with Graham? Yes, Mr. Howard. Mr. Aldridge's son phoned. His son? What did he want? He's apparently helping his father. He wanted to know whether you want your middle initial printed on the card. On what cards? On the show cards, I imagine, for the bond drive. Well, they're going to print my name on them? I imagine they are. I'm supposed to call Mr. Aldridge back. Well, I didn't realize they were going to do anything like that. The Aldridge boy asked about Mrs. Howard, too, but I explained that she has nothing to do with this. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Miss Gray, now, uh, how many of those cards did I tell you to order? Five hundred. Yes, well, I don't think five hundred will be enough. Do you? I don't know, sir. As a matter of fact, that be anywhere near enough. Now, here's what you do. Call Sam Aldridge, see? Yes, sir. Tell him we want at least a thousand cards. With or without your middle initials. If he doesn't mention it, don't you. After all, I don't want him to think my name has anything to do with doubling the order. Yes, sir. Besides, I don't really care whether the J J is in or not. Yes, Mr. Howard. Mr. Aldridge. Yes, Miss Thompson. The editor of the Times is here. He wants you to go over some coffee with him. Yes, of course. Tom, come on in. Oh, hello, Sam. I just stopped by to show you the story about the bond driver running tonight's paper. Fine, fine. Better give it the front page. Nearly half a column. Yes, half a column. You couldn't spare any more than that? Well, half a column's quite a bit, Sam. Tells the whole story. The only thing oh, is... Sam, you know me. I'm for this drive, but I can't overdo it. After all, my subscribers expect to find some news in the paper. The only thing is, Tom, the other paper's going to give their entire front page. We need the same from you. You mean some of the folks are against this drive? No, most of this town is working its head off. But there are a few, Tom, that need waking up. They're the ones we've got to sell on investing 10% of their income for the rest of this war. Oh, don't you worry, Sam. Everything's going to be fine. Uh, excuse me. Hello, Sam Aldrich speaking. Uh, Mr. Aldrich, this is Centerville Station. we got a telegram here for you. A telegram for me? I think it's for you. It came in while I was out. It says Aldrich, Centerville. Now, go ahead. Who's it from? Uh, the president of the express company. From whom? What's he say? What's it about? Uh, he says, uh, greetings. I'm doing everything in my power to facilitate your bond drive. If you do not get fullest cooperation from our local representative, please wire. Well, well, then you say that's from the president himself? Yeah. And he's doing everything in his power to facilitate our bond drive? Yeah. And what's the rest? If we do not get fullest cooperation from local representatives, please wire? Yeah. And greetings. Greetings. Yeah, but that's not the important part. And you say it's signed by the president? Yes, sir. Are you sure that's for me? It's addressed to Aldrich. Well, then I guess it is. Yeah, goodbye, Mr. Aldrich. Goodbye. Well, Sam. What's that, Tom? Isn't everybody that gets a telegram like that? I beg your pardon. Now, tell me frankly, Sam. About how much space do you think this paper ought to give to make this drive a success? Well, to tell the truth, that should be up to you. But we'd like a lot more than we're getting. A great deal more. And frankly, Sam, I think you should have it. Oh, excuse me. Hello, Sam Aldrich speaking. Mr. Aldrich, this is Mr. Howard's secretary. Yes? Mr. Howard wanted me to tell you that if you feel we need a thousand of those show cards, it's all right. Yes? Well, I'm glad he came around to my point of view. I'm just sorry I didn't ask for fifteen hundred. Well, I think it would be all right if you ordered fifteen hundred. You mean it's all right with Mr. Howard? Oh, yes. And print them any way you want to. Yes? Well, that's fine. Uh, Sam, may I speak with Howard? Uh, Miss Gray, is Mr. Howard there? Well, just a minute. I'll call him. 
Yes, Dom. Mr. Aldrich, there's a gentleman in the outer office that wants to see you. To see me? From the express company. Yeah? Uh, excuse me, Tom. I'll be right back. Hello? Uh, Howard, this is Tom from over to time. Yes? Did you know that Sam Aldrich just got a personal wire from the president? No. Yes. And he told Sam if he doesn't get the fullest cooperation from us, he wants to... Hello. Hello. Is this Clark? Yes. Well, Clark, this is White. Say, you know that golf game we were going to have tomorrow? Yes. Well, would you mind our postponing it for a couple of weeks? I'm going to be pretty busy on the Bond Club drive. Oh, you are? Oh, yes, yes. I don't know whether you know it or not, but the president's taking a personal interest in it. Sam Aldrich got a wire from Washington and confidentially... Mr. Howard, I have your wife on the phone now. Thank you. Uh, hello, Jenny. Yes? This is J.J. I won't be home for dinner, Jen. Why not? I've got to do some work on the Bond Committee. Probably be midnight before I get home. But, J.J., I've arranged a bridge game for tonight. Well, cancel it. The Bond Drive's more important. Yes, dear. Oh, has Henry Aldrich been in touch with you? No, what about? Christmas cards. Jenny, this is no time to think about Christmas cards. Goodbye. <laughs> hello? Hello, is this Sam Aldrich? Yes. Well, this is Clark. Say, Sam, why didn't you call me again? What about? The Bond Drive. We can't sit back and expect you to carry the whole load. Well, I certainly appreciate that. Don't you think we ought to talk to folks into investing 15% each week instead of just 10? Well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Which one? The one just coming up to the reviewing stand. Oh, yes, yes. Very good. Is the float that Henry and Homer are on inside yet? Uh, not yet. They ought to be along in a minute, though. Sam, which company here in town bought the most bonds? The Express Company. The Express Company? Yes, for some reason, the main office in Chicago wired that they'd be willing to thump the pledge of any firm in town. Well, what's that nicer? Hey, you know those show cards now are okay, but pretty nice. Well, they certainly are a lot of them. Oh, incidentally, don't let me forget to tell Henry when he gets home there's a package at the house from the Excelsior Greeting Card Company. Yes? Yes, it came this morning by parcel post. Yes? Sam, Sam, here comes a float that Henry's on. Where? Way down the street. See it, Sam, see it. Oh, yes. Sam, when did he get the truck? The Express Company loaned it. (laughs) Sam, why are Henry and Homer in truck suits? They're supposed to be relay racers, Alice, don't you see? Oh, oh, yes, isn't that nice? What is that that Henry's handing over to Homer? A torch, Alice. See the sign above them? They represent the spirit of total effort. Of total what? Effort, Alice. Effort. This drive is the greatest thing this town has ever had. again next week, same time, same station, for another sparkling half hour with your favorite youngster, his family, and his pals. The Aldrich Family, starring Ezra Stone, is written by Clifford Goldsmith. This next one is Abbott and Costello, or just simply entitled Christmas Show. And if you know anything about Abbott and Costello, they're funny guys. Um, Victor likes Abbott and Costello. I love and Abbott and Costello. A lot Costello. of people. Yeah, I know you do. And uh, so I kind of picked it for him, but I know a lot of people love Abbott and Costello. So kick back and enjoy the show. The Abbott and Costello program. <laughs> 
Costello program with a modern rhythm of Will Osborne's orchestra, Iris Adrian, our singing star Connie Haynes, and spotlighting that chunky, chubby little cherub who, when caught asking a neighbor lady to take her shoes off because his uncle Artie Stebbins said she had crow's feet, calmly said, I'm a bad boy! Where have you been? Why weren't you here fixing up the house for the party? Oh, hey, Abbott, I had to get down to jail to get my landlady out. You know, Mrs. Satchel Push? I had to get her out on bail. She got arrested for shoplifting. They finally caught her. Uh, I thought she Mm -hmm. was too smart to get caught. Well, she made a mistake. She stole an alarm clock and hid it in her bustle. Well, how did they catch her? Her bustle went off at a quarter of eight. (laughs) Never mind your landlady. Never mind your landlady. Did you send out the invitations for the party? Oh, yeah. I got them right here. Look what it says. What is it? Luke Costello invites you to a Christmas party to be held in his home. B-A-P-O-B. B-A-P-O-B. Yep, yep. You mean R-S-V-P. Oh, no. I mean B-A-P-O-B. Bring a pound of butter. (laughs) Oh, boy. What a party I'm going to have. My Aunt May will bring her cranberry sauce. That's her specialty. Aunt Catherine will bring her plum pudding. That's her specialty. And Ann Eva will bring her 14 children. That's a, uh, uh, that's a nice family. Yeah, I have. Yeah. <laughs> Look, forget about your relatives for a minute, Lou. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you remember to get souvenirs for everybody? Oh, souvenirs. Yes. Yeah, I'm having favors for the girls. At 12 o'clock, I'm going to turn the lights off. Oh, yeah. And Any favors for the men? What do you call turning the lights off? Uh, <laughs> Look, Costello. Uh, who did you invite besides your relatives? Oh, a lot of movie stars. And I invited Lana Turner. And she kissed me. Well, that kissed you. The smoke isn't coming out of my ears for nothing. <laughs> How about the tree? Uh, did you get a tree? Mm-hmm. Did you get a tree? Oh, did I get a tree? Yeah. I got the biggest Christmas tree you ever right. saw. Well. I just got through putting it in the living room. You did? What a tree! It's six feet higher than the ceiling. Well, it's a shame to have to cut the top off. That's the way I felt about it, too. Sure, sure. So I cut a hole in the ceiling. I have. <laughs> you cut a hole in the ceiling of our, our living room? Yeah, this will be the first Christmas we ever had a tree in our bathroom. <laughs> what kind of a tree did you get? Is it a fur? Oh, yes, it's one of those. What did you say? I said, did you get a fur? No, I got a tree. I... Oh, stop this silliness. I, I, I want to see your fur. See my fur? Certainly. What am I, a silver fox? No. no. I mean, I'm not talking about uh, fur, if you are. The fur, the fur I mean has an eye in it. Oh, the fur has an eye in it? Yes. Just one eye? Certainly there's just why one eye in fur. Must be I, J. Fox. No, 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 look. I'm... Stand still when I'm talking to you. Yes, sir. I'm talking about a fur tree. Mm-hmm. Now, will you quit talking about the fur with you in it? You doesn't belong in the kind of fur I'm talking about. I doesn't belong in that kind of fur? Oh, yes, I belongs in it. But uh, you doesn't. Well, why should you belong in fur if I doesn't? <laughs> I have a little better in fur than you do. I'm prettier than you. I'm cuter than you. <laughs> Bark, bark, bark. Oh, bark! Yes. No, no, no. 
That fellow, the bark of the tree is the outer coat. Did the uh, tree have a rough coat? No, but the girl who sold it to me had on a smooth sweater. No, look. <laughs> and no, ti- no time for singing, please. Uh, the bark is the coat. Yeah. You find it on the trunk of a fir tree. A tree has a trunk? Oh, of course. That must be where he keeps his coat and fur. No, Costello. I'm going to try to explain it to you. Now, all Christmas trees belong to the pine family. Oh, no, they don't. Oh, yes. This Christmas tree belongs to me, brother. Now, wait a minute. Let the pine family get their own tree. <laughs> Forget the pine family, Costello. I don't think you know anything about trees. Who don't? You don't. I do. I raise my own trees. Did you see them yourself? Did I see them? <laughs> yes, yes, I asked you. Did you see your own trees? Yes, I see them every day. I see them this morning. I see them last night. You can come over and see them anytime oh, you want. How can I see them when you see them first? Look, Evan, what have I done in front of my house? Uh, trees. Did you see them? No. Did I see them? Yes. In other words, you looked at my trees, but you didn't see them. Uh, that's right. <laughs> Let me smell your breath. I don't know why I spent time with you. I was trying to tell you about the pine tree. We get tar from pine. We get what? A tar. Tar. Haven't you ever heard of pine tar? No, but I heard of a tree tar. Tree tar? Yeah. Clang, clang, clang with the tree tar. Clang, clang, clang with the tree tar. Lovely Connie Haynes repeats the song she helped make so popular. With my high dark collar and my high top shoes and my hair piled up on my head, I went to lose a jolly out upon the trolley and lost my heart instead. With his light brown derby and his bright green tie, he was quite the handsomest of men. I started to yen through a counter to ten, then I counted to ten again. Clang, clang, clang went the trolley. Ding, ding, ding went the bell. Zing, zing, zing went my heart string. For the moment I saw him, I fell. Chug, chug, chug went the motor. Bump, bump, bump went the brake. Thump, thump, thump went my heart string. When he smiled, I feel the soft shake. He dipped his hat and took a seat. He said he hoped he hadn't stepped upon my feet. He asked my name. I had my breath. I couldn't speak because it scared me half to death. Buzz, buzz, buzz went the buzzer. Flop, flop, flop went the wheel. Stop, stop, stop went my heart string. As he started to leave, I took hold of his sleeve with my hand. And as if it were planned, he stayed on with me. And it was grand just to stand with his hand holding mine to the end of the line. Costello, what did we have to come downtown for? Oh, I got to get some more spaghetti, Abbott, so I can finish trimming my Christmas tree. 
I couldn't find any tinsel this year, so I'm trimming a tree with spaghetti. And boy, does it look beautiful. Oh, what's beautiful about trimming a tree with spaghetti? Every time I plug it in, the meatballs light up. <laughs> yes, thank you. So with that silliness again. Hey, Adam, look who's in the car. It's that movie actress, Betsy May Mucho. Hello, Miss Mucho. Hello, boys. Gee, I'm glad I saw you. I want to invite you to my Christmas party tonight, Miss Mucho. Oh, I'm very sorry, but I have to go down to Los Angeles. I'm having a dinner party at the Ambassador Hotel. <laughs> the Ambassador Hotel. Oh, sure, Rabbit. You know where the Ambassador is. That's the home of the Cuckoo Nut Groove. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a thrilling dinner. Yeah. We're going to have Crab Louie and Fiend Qualms. Clums. <laughs> yes, don't you just adore clums? No, I'd rather have a plate of Freud oosters. <laughs> well, I must be seedodling along. I beg your pardon? I must be seedodling along. Oh, we will say. It's all right. I sure knock off those Spanish words, don't I? <laughs> well, that's one turn down for your party. I don't care, Rabbit. I don't care if she don't want to come. Well. Here comes my girlfriend, Lena Gensler. She'll come to my party tonight. She's madly in love with me. Ah, there you are, you sawed-off Boris Karloff. <laughs> Standing on street corners, flirting with girls. I wasn't flirting with any girls, Lena. I'm saving myself for you. Thanks, Faso, for saving so much. <laughs> I've got a bone to pick with you. I put some of that perfume you gave me on my hair. Wait a minute. I think it has a nice golden tint. Uh, what is it? Chanel number five? No. Kemtone number seven. Roller <laughs> and all. You little worm. Please, Lena, let's be friends. I'd never desert you. I'd stand by you. I'm as solid as the rock of Gibraltar. I can believe that. You're sticking out in the Mediterranean. <laughs> Look, Lena, don't talk like that. I was just going to ask you to come to my Christmas party tonight. Are you kidding? I'm going out with Van Johnson tonight. Oh, Van Johnson. You always talk about Van Johnson. <laughs> Take away his black curly hair. What do you got left? I don't know, but you can deliver it to my house in the morning. <laughs> Goodbye. Well, there's number two that ain't going to come to my party tonight. Hey, Priscilla. Look, isn't that Mrs. Niles getting off the streetcar? Oh, hello, Miss Abbott. You always stand on street corners leaning on a trash can? Oh, that's Costello. I didn't recognize him. <laughs> he, he looks like the third day of the lost weekend. <laughs> you know, I wish I hadn't said that, Mrs. Niles. I was going to thank you for that beautiful Christmas card I got this morning. Oh, it really was nothing. It was merely a picture of me smiling. I know it, but how did you get your teeth to spell out Merry Christmas? <laughs> Now, stop that, or Mrs. Niles won't come to your party. I wouldn't come to his party anyway. I always run around with younger people. It helps me to keep young. Oh, in fact, I dread to think of life at 70. Why? What happened then? <laughs> I've had enough of you. Goodbye. Well, it looks like you're not going to have any party. That's the third turndown you've had. I don't care, Rabbit. Uh, Let's go home. I'm going to call up some of my other friends. I'll get somebody to come. Here, come on. Let's grab this cab. Cabby, drive us to North Hollywood. North Hollywood? What's the matter with Glendale? There's nothing wrong with Glendale. I don't live there. Oh, Glendale ain't good enough for you, huh? 
Go on, go on, Costello. Say it. Glendale is a one-horse town. Glendale ain't a one-horse town. Oh, then why did I lose my job with the city street department? Go on. Go on, don't stand there. Say it. Say, tell people I'm not a citizen of Glendale. Go on, say I never even voted. You voted. You voted. You voted. Three times, huh? Go on, go on. Start a rumor. Tell everybody I got paid when I voted. Merit Hicks, you didn't get a cent for voting. Oh, the six dollars they gave me was for a dog license. Oh, now I'm a dog, huh? Tell everybody I'm a dog. Throw me a piece of liver. I wouldn't throw you my liver. What's the matter with your liver? All right, you tell me what's wrong with my liver. Get a load of this punk. Now, he wants me to go to school for four years, study day and night to be a doctor, just so I can tell him what's wrong with his liver. <laughs> Marinhead, I don't want you to go to school. Oh, you want me to be a moron like you. <laughs> please, please, fellows, this, this is the Christmas season. Remember, peace on earth. Yeah, Melonhead, why do you have to pick on me like this? Yes, Melonhead. Have you ever heard of the expression... Turn the other cheek. Boys, you're right. I feel sorry for everything I said here tonight, and I, I'd like to turn the other cheek so I can feel the humility. Costello, will you please slap me? You mean that? Yes. You mean... Oh, I slapped you before I should, didn't I? <laughs> okay. Now, now, slap the other cheek. Here. Are you kidding? No. Hey. Thanks, Costello. You know, nobody would ever believe that Melonhead would turn the other cheek. Costello, yeah. will you please write down on this paper here that I did? Oh, Sure. Sure. I, Luke Costello, slap Melonhead on both cheeks. There you are. I suppose you're going to show this to all your friends. No. I'm going to show it to my lawyer. I'll sue you for assault. I'll sue you for battery. Get me a lawyer. Get me a judge and a jury. Get me out of here. Well, Costello, it's 12 midnight. Not a soul has shown up for your party. I can't understand it. I don't know. Nobody showed up to my party at all. I thought my girlfriend, Lena, would surely show up. Yes. It's a shame that you aren't going to, to get to kiss her under the mistletoe. The what? The mistletoe. Didn't you ever kiss a girl under the mistletoe? No, I always kiss them under the nose. <laughs> well, it looks like nobody's going to kiss you tonight. Yes, Abbott. All my friends have deserted me. I'm just a failure. Ah, no, you're not, Costello. You're a big success. No, Abbott, I'm just a complete flop. No, you're not, Costello. You're a great guy. No, Abbott, I'm just a sort-off, little ugly-looking dope. Well, don't stand there. Argue with me. (laughs) Oh, stop this, Costello, please. I'm going to bed, Abbott. Good night. Wait a minute. Aren't you uh, going to hang up your stocking? No. Santa Claus won't even come here. Now, that's wrong, Costello. Santa Claus loves everybody. He doesn't love me, Abbott. He don't. Santa Claus has never come to my house on Christmas since I was seven years old. I was a smart-aleck little kid in those days, just like some boys and girls are today. I went around saying I didn't believe in Santa Claus. If a kid come up and said he believed in Santa Claus, I used to say, Ah, you're nothing but a sissy. There ain't no Santa Claus. That's your father. But now I realize how wrong I was. I want to tell all the little boys and girls what happened to me. Let's all be children again. Let me take you back to Christmas Eve some 20 years ago. I'd been out all day playing with my friends Chowderhead Abbott and Skinny Niles. It was a beautiful Christmas Eve. Snow was falling. And you could see the lights on the Christmas trees and all the houses. Just like the one we used to know.
the money out. Well, there's no money in that cash. Oh, uh, yes, there is. Last night when Pilot's man poked, I heard him say, everybody put money in the kitty. <laughs> Your father now. No, that was kind of a sneaky knock. It's probably the Iceman. Oh, never mind the door. I'll see who it is. You go wash your dirty face. Oh, Ma, why can't I just go up and, 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 and cover the dirt with powder like you do? Why, it's the little Abbott boy and the Niles boy. Uh, we came over to tell you what Louie did. He came over to my house and asked my mother to bend her head down so he could see her horns. You snitcher. Why? Why, Louie, I'll tell you, naughty boy. Whatever made you think that Mrs. Abbott had horns? I heard you say that when she got dressed up, she looked like the devil. Yeah, that ain't all she did either, Miss Costello. Louie said my mother keeps a cat in the icebox. Why, Mrs. Niles does not keep a cat in her icebox. And why does everybody say she's got a frozen push? <laughs> you children, stop this arguing. And, Louie, you get ready for bed right away. Santa Claus may be coming along any minute now. Good night. Gee, I can hardly wait till Santa Claus gets here. Listen, Kenny. I hear sleigh bells. Yeah, and I can hear him walking around on the roof. He's getting ready to come down the chimney. <laughs> some nice presents. Huh? Oh, yes. Yes, I did. I brought some nice presents for you, Buddy Abbott, and you, Kenny Niles. But as for you, Louis Costello, you've been a bad boy. You hear? A bad boy. Santa Claus, did you have lamb chops for dinner? <laughs> I'll take care of you later, Louis. Here, Kenny and Buddy, here are your presents. Now run along home like good little boys. Gee, thanks, Santa. That's all right. Good night. Good night, good night boys. Now, Louis Costello, I want to show you all the black marks I've got down here against you and my book. Now, here's a report from your Sunday school teacher. She tells me you put slide paper in all the pews last Sunday. That you put a cat in the pipe organ. That you put Limburger cheese behind all the radiators. And then you put a cat from a Coca-Cola bottle in the collection box and took out 15 cents cake. <laughs> now, what do you say to that? I'm a busy little bee, ain't I? <laughs> you haven't heard the worst. I see that a few years ago you flirted with a little girl in school. Is that true? I'm afraid it is. And is it true that you gave her your class pin? What class pin? I was only two years old. I gave it the only pin I had. <laughs> all right, all right. Let, let the whole thing drop. That's what happened. <laughs> and finally, Louis, the biggest black mark against you is that you've got a book under your mattress. Yes, Santa Claus, it's only a book about how to make tea the right color. How to make tea the right color? What's the name of it? Forever Amber. <laughs> Well, I guess that settles it, Louie. I'm afraid there's nothing I can leave you for Christmas. 
Nothing? You mean just plain zero? Yes, that's right, Louie. Maybe someday when you've learned to behave yourself, I may come back again. Well, good night. Gee, I guess I'm just the kind of a boy my mother don't want me to associate with. Nobody likes me. Even Santa Claus can't stand me. Buddy Abbott and Kenny Niles both got presents, but I didn't get nothing. I'm going to write a letter to my mom and my pop, and then I'm going to run away from here. Dear mom and pop, when you read this, I will be thousands of miles away. Don't ever look for me because you're not going to find me. I'm never coming back. Maybe someday when I'm old, about 11 or 12, after I make a million dollars, I'll come home and I'll buy a, a nice new dress, Mom, and I'll give Pop a new pair of overalls. That's what he calls his happy clothes. Please take the fleas out of my flea circus and put them back on the dog so they won't get homesick. And don't forget to feed my little pet skunk twice a day. There's a clothespin hanging by his cage. I love you, Mom and Pop, but this is the best way out. Your loving son, Louis Costello. Boys and girls, that happened over 20 years ago, and Santa Claus has never come back to see me to this day. Please, kiddies, take a lesson from me and be good boys and girls so that next Monday night, Christmas Eve, you won't be waiting for Santa Claus that didn't come like I've been waiting for all these years. Oh, come, Lou, I guess we'd better go to bed. that anything like this was going to happen. I thought that nobody cared about me anymore. I was dreaming of a sly Christmas. I thought my friends had passed me by. Why, you know, Costello, that you're one fellow that we all think <laughs> are loved by both the kids and old folks, though you have whiskers on your jokes. <laughs> May your heart be merry and high. And may your, your Christmases to me. Help me, Mrs. Niles. Why?
now hear Bud and Lou with the final word. Uh, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, wait a minute. I, uh, hey, honest, I, I don't see that guy here that always yells, No, no, not that. You know, oh, hey, Costello, oh. I don't want to spoil oh. the Christmas spirit on your show tonight. Oh, that's awfully sweet of you. I also want to thank you for that lovely present you sent me. That's the best game I ever played. Game? I didn't send you any game. I sent you an autographed picture of myself. How do you like that? My wife and I sat up all night trying to pin a tail on it. Good night, folks. A Merry Christmas to everybody. Yes, Merry Christmas to everybody. And don't forget to buy another victory bond at your local theater. Merry Christmas to everybody in Patterson, New Jersey. The Abbott and Costello Show will be back at the very same time next week. Don't miss it. This is Ken Niles in Hollywood wishing you all a pleasant. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Here we go, guys and dolls, with Amos and Andy. Um... And uh, if you're familiar with old-time radio, you know who Amos and Andy were. They were um, two kind of crazy guys. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And, uh, yeah, I I liked it. But I always have liked this show, especially the end of it. And um, the end of it. Weren't they two white guys who were playing the role of two black guys? I I heard it that way. I heard that yeah. they were two white guys playing uh, playing um, black guys, and uh, I think they should have just gone ahead and gotten black men to play it. Um, well, there way, was lots of um, talent back then. Yeah, talented. You know, um, black people didn't get to show their talent back then like they do now. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I think that's what they should have done, but they tell me that it's two uh, white guys playing the part of two um, two black men. But uh, I, I especially like the end of this show, so um, give it a listen. I'd be glad to hear what you think. Campbell Soup bring you Amos and Andy. Christmas greetings. Both boys are extremely happy and are looking forward to Christmas Day. As the scene opens now, we find Amos in the front room of his flat. Andy has just entered carrying a few packages. A small lighted Christmas tree sits on a table in one corner. In the back room, Amos's baby boy is asleep in his crib. 
and his little daughter is preparing for bed. Ruby and her mother have just gone out for a short while. Is there? Well, come in there, son. You look like Santa Claus there with all that stuff. Yeah, how is you, boy? Yeah, how fine. is you? Fine, very good. Yeah, same to you. Doggone, that feel looks good. Yeah, don't look pretty. Yeah, wait a minute. Let me lay these packages down here on the sofa. Oh, you're making the rounds, ain't you, son? Yeah, making the rounds, spreading good cheer. Yes, sir. Oh, boy, that is a pretty tree, too. Yeah. Got a lot of lights on there, boy. Yeah, we saved some of them from last year, and then we got another new string this year and added on to it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, we just decorated that tonight. Mm-hmm. Ruby and her mama is going out to take a few things to some poor people that they know here in town. They'll be gone for an hour. Yeah, well, I'll leave these packages here. Leave these? All of them? Oh, sure. Here's one for Ruby. Here's one for mama. Oh, there's one for you right there. Oh, thank you. And there's a little rattle in here for your baby. Oh, gee, really? And here's a package for your oldest child, your little girl. Oh, uh, I, I certainly hear Santa Claus is here, and thank you so much. Well, that's all right. I see a lot of stuff over at my place from your house. Yeah, well, just like I told you, Andy, it ain't much, but we want you to know that we love you and we're thinking about you. You know that. Oh, well, Amos, I feel better this Christmas than I ever felt. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, when you open up your packages? Well, uh, the kids get up early, and, well, we all get up and start early Christmas morning. And, and by the way, don't forget that you promised me this morning that you'd be here for Christmas dinner with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that show is nice of you, all right, because the other Christmas dinners didn't work out so good. Oh, it didn't, huh? Uh-huh. Well, we want you here, so now we're going to count on that. Oh, yeah. Well, that's swell. Well, I got to get going, son. I got to drop in on two or three people to say hello to them. Yeah, well, I hate to have you rush off, Andy. Don't you want to sit down a little while? No, no. I'll get going, son. Just want to come by here and kind of wish you a Merry Christmas tomorrow. Uh Uh-huh. Well, you know I wish you one, son. Yeah, by the way, uh, you don't want to go with me now, do you? Stop in on some friends or something? Oh, no, and I can't. Uh, I'm going on back now and see that the baby is covered up in the crib and say goodnight to Arbadella. You know, she wants to know all about Christmas. She can't wait till tomorrow. Yeah, well, that's great, son. Well, Merry Christmas again. Well, thank you, and thank you for the package, Amanda. You're welcome, Amos. You're welcome. So long. So long, son. Well, darling, 
I'll try to explain it to you. Oh, will you, Daddy? Yeah, now, you lay down and listen. The first line of the Lord's Prayer is this. Our Father, which art in heaven, that means Father of all that is good, where no wrong can dwell. Now, the next line is, Hallow be thy name. That means, darling, that we should love and respect all that is good. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That means, darling, as we clean our hearts of all hate and selfishness and fill our hearts with love, the good, the true, and the beautiful, then this earth will be exactly like heaven. Oh, that would be wonderful, Daddy. Then it says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, that means to feed our hearts and minds with kindness, love, and courage, which will make us strong for our daily task. Mm -hmm. And then it says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do you remember the golden rule? Oh, yes, sir. Well, that means that we must keep the golden rule and do unto others as we would want them to do unto us. And then it says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That means, my darling, to ask God to help us do and see and think right so that we will neither be led or tempted by anything that is bad. Mm-hmm. And then it says, For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. That means, darling, that all the world and everything that's in it belongs to God's kingdom. Everything. Mommy, your daddy, your little brother, your grandma, you and everybody. And as we know that, and act as if we know it, my darling, that is the real spirit of Christmas. Oh, that's good, Daddy. Well, darling, I guess I ought to turn off the radio and let you go to sleep. Good night, Daddy. Good night, my sweetheart. Daddy. Yes? Will you leave the radio on while I go to sleep? All right, I'll leave it on for a couple of minutes, and I'll come back and turn it off, and you listen to the Christmas music.
is Bing Crosby Christmas, and he had several Christmas ones, but um, this one I didn't like because the reason oh. I didn't, y'all finally heard me say I didn't like something. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, Victor's going to make that a national uh, announcement up on his uh, it's a national treasure channel. day, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I was really disappointed in, uh, in this Christmas show that I have here because he mixed, it, it, he mixed other things in it besides Christmas when it was supposed to be a Christmas show. And, um, that just kind of disappointed me, but, um, y'all might like it. Uh, but the thing about Bing Crosby is he had several Christmas shows. Maybe I can go up and see if I can find another one at some point. But I, I had two, and I didn't like either one of them. But anyway, y'all let me know. Where the blue of the night meets the gold of the day. Someone waits for me. Yes, it's Ben Crosby in the Craft Music Hall with John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, Eugenie Baird, the Charioteers, Charles Henderson and Chorus, and in Chicago, the Craft Choral Group. Consecutive Christmas, being a song of Dusty Fidelis here in the old Kraft Music Hall. As usual, he'll sing it first in Latin, then with everybody joining him in English. Surely this year, more people than ever before will want to raise their voices in a chorus of Come All Ye Faithful. Bing, I think it'd be nice if folks at home would join in too, and folks all over the world. We're certainly counting on them, Ken. The home folks, wherever they may be, to help us sing this eternal hymn. Adeste fidelis, Lady Triumphantes, Venite, Venite, in Bethlehem. Everybody here in the hall, John Scott, Eugenia Baird, 
the charioteers, Charles Henderson and the chorus, as well as all you men, wherever you are, and everybody at home, all together, in your family's favorite key, once through in English. Thank you very much. I think you folks listening at home, you ought to know where we got our wonderful support in the soprano and the contralto departments this evening. We're proud to welcome to the hall more than a hundred young ladies from Uncle Sam's Navy. They're on their way to a preview at Paramount Studio where they will witness a flicker dedicated to their own branch of the service, a little item called Here Come the Waves. I know they'll be captivated by the caperings in this picture of my very good friends Betty Hutton and Sonny Tufts even if they must suffer through the faintly antique antics of one of the older crooners. <laughs> Just to kind of limber them up gently for this harrowing experience, we've asked them to visit us first. And here they are. They're looking mighty sharp in their navy blue and white. I'm glad it is we are to see them. With those happy harmonists, the charioteers assisting, we'd like to salute our waves here tonight with that merriest of traditional melodies, Jingle Bells. <laughs> Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. What fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. What fun to ride and sing in a one-horse open sleigh. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. O'er the fields we go, laughing all the way. Bells and bobtails ring, making spirits bright. What fun it is to ride and sing a sleighing song to Jingle bells. Through the snow in a one horse open sleigh, o'er the fields we go, laughing and scratching all the way. Bells on bobtails, making spirit cry. Oh, what fun to ride and sing, slaying song tonight. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Oh, we have a lot of fun. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Oh, yeah. That band is really gone, isn't it? Oh, put them back in the wagon. Pull them back. <laughs> 
ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Oh, we have a lot of fun. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Yes, got to associate that melody with everything Christmassy. Got to, just as this next character is associated with everything around the pantry. Lay it in there, Jack. I don't need to tell you ladies that there are just two more days of grocery shopping before the Christmas feasting really begins. I do want to remind you of something for that grocery list tomorrow morning. It's Kraft Cheese Spreads for snacks on Saturday night or Christmas Eve, or for appetizers just before the Christmas dinner. Particularly, I want to remind you that the four creamy varieties of Kraft Cheese Spreads take just two ration points apiece. There's Kraft Pimento and Olive Pimento spreads, the Zestful Roca spread, and Kraft Relish spread with the bits of pickle all through it. Just set them out in their own glasses, put out some crackers, and snacks are ready. Sometime this weekend, you'll be glad, mighty glad, you remember to get some Kraft cheese spreads. Our lovely lady with the dulcet delivery, Eugenie Baird, brings us a stardusty ditty now. I dream of you. Very pretty thing, too. I think it's number four on Mr. M.F.'s L.S.T. on Making Believe. I'm making believe that you're in my arms Though I know you're so far away Making believe I'm talking to you Wish you could hear what I say here in the gloom of my lonely room, we're dancing like we used to do. 
making believe is just another way of dreaming. So till my dreams come true, I'll whisper good night, turn out the light, and kiss the pillow, making believe it's you. tonight laden with a message, thus combining happily entertainment and practical purpose. Knock it, men, right in your... Say, Jack, do you know who's beat to his side? Who's that, man? Nobody but me. What's the matter, bub? Been loading up a tanker all day long. Convoy's supposed to shove off tonight. You know one thing, bub? You really talk too much. In fact, your mouth is too big. Now, my advice to you is... Shh! Don't talk too much. Shh! Don't know too much, Jack. Don't be too hip, cause slip of the lip might sink a ship. Shh. Don't see too much. Shh. Don't jive too much, boy. Don't be too hip, cause slip of the lip might sink a ship. Now the walls have ears and the night has eyes. So let's be wise and trick those nasty Nazi spies. Shh. Don't talk too much. Shh. Don't know too much, boy. Don't be too hip, cause slip of the lip might sink a ship. Slip of the lip might sink a ship. Look out, dipper lip, don't let nothing slip. Now the walls have ears and the night has eyes. Yes, sir, which has been Englished into What a Difference a Day Made. What a difference a day made. Twenty-four little hours Brought the sun and the flowers Where there used to be rain 
My yesterday was blue, Today I'm part of you, dear. My lonely nights are through, dear. Since you said you were mine. What a difference a day makes. There's the rainbow before me. Skies above can't be stormy. Since that moment of bliss, that thrilling kiss, it's heaven when you. Find romance on your menu. What a difference a day makes, and the difference is you. Even when you find romance on your menu, what a difference a day! And the difference is you. Today we have the pleasure of again welcoming to the Kraft Music Hall a group of visitors who join us each Christmas season, the Kraft Choral Club. A warm feeling of fellowship is the year-round Christmas spirit characteristic of this group of 70 of our co-workers in the Kraft, Chicago offices and factory. Theirs is the finest sort of appreciation of music, for they come together in their rehearsals because of a spontaneous desire to sing. They enjoy knowing, too, that they are part of an organization dedicated to comradeship of this kind. This Christmas tide, the Kraft Choral Club, under the direction of Lou Jacobson, brings us Henry Fry's distinguished arrangement of Beautiful Savior, a Christmas anthem based on a traditional folk melody, the Kraft Choral Club.
Taft Choral Club gives us now the beautiful and thoughtful poem by Florence Tarr. Set the music by Peter DeRose. God is ever beside me. to the Kraft Call Group. And my eager associate is standing here practically a quiver at my elbow. He wants to inject a few happy holiday suggestions into your menus. Right in there? Hmm? Thank you. 
Tomorrow night or Saturday or Christmas Eve when you're trimming the tree, somebody's almost sure to drop in at your house. Somebody who'd like to serve a cup of coffee or some refreshment along with a snack. Well, then be sure to order some of the seven delicious Kraft cheese spreads tomorrow morning. A few glasses of Kraft cheese spreads set out with some crackers or potato chips and your snacks are ready in a twinkling. What with all the holiday buying, I suppose that point budget of yours is strained. So I want to mention in passing that four grand varieties of Kraft cheese spreads take just two points apiece. They're the perfect appetizer spreads. Pimento, olive pimento, roca, and relish. All creamy in texture, all delicious. Now that grocery list for tomorrow's shopping is long, I know. So it'd be a smart idea to make a note on it right now. Just jot down Kraft cheese spreads. Folks will be mighty glad you remembered. fighting front, there are no silent nights, but there are plenty of holy nights. I'm sure that all of us are offering up prayers for the gallant gang of American kids to whom anything that has to do with peace still seems very far away. My own thoughts are a lot humbler than they were last year. I've talked and lived and chowed with these boys, boys whose courage and faith is something that that beggars description. Seeing those G.I.s kneel in a muddy pasture in France brought back to my mind the lines of an old familiar prayer that I'd heard somewhere along the line back home. 
God grant unto us an early peace and victory founded on justice and instill into the hearts and the minds of men everywhere a firm purpose to live forever in peace and goodwill toward all. Music all next Thursday at the same time with Bing Crosby, John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, Eugenie Baird, the Charioteers, Charles Henderson and the Craft Choir, and our guests, the Les Paul Trio. It's here, the season for bright, tempting dishes for foods that smack of good cheer. So be sure to have some delicious golden Pabstet cheese food on hand. Pabstet adds a festive touch to holiday meals and lunches. Blends smoothly into a luscious, appetizing cheese sauce. Makes delicious sandwiches and snacks. Slices and toast to perfection. Look for Pabstet in the familiar round, flat package. Add delicious golden Pabstet cheese food to your holiday shopping list tomorrow. Next is a guy that I just love. It seems like no matter what he's doing or where he was doing it, he was just so funny. Bob Hope. This is one of his Christmas specials. That's just all I have here is... Oh, no, no, no. I take that back. It's called Christmas Day in Berlin. But uh, he did several Christmas things. But this one is funny. John Cope, in cooperation with the United States Air Forces, presents the Bob Hope Show from Berlin, Germany. On Christmas Day, 4,000 miles away from home, thousands of American boys listened to a show that brought them a little bit of home. They were the boys who keep the airlift into Berlin running. The boys who have given up their Christmas to help strengthen the cause of humanity. Because of these men, a child eats who might otherwise go hungry. And the light of freedom burns more brightly in the world. To carry to these Americans overseas something of the fun and spirit of America, Bob Hope and his gang at the request of the United States Air Forces flew to Berlin. What you are now about to hear by transcription is the very same show our men enjoyed Christmas Day. The laughter is their laughter. The show was their special show. And now, Lever Brothers Company, makers of Swan Soap, is proud to present Bob Pope. America, you know America, that's where if you got a couple of cigarettes, you smoke them. 
across the Atlantic, but when we got on the plane, they gave us all a small life raft and a copy of Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> we bought some heavy long underwear in New York. We were doing all right, too, until just before landing, the co-pilot stood up and hollered, flat down. <laughs> He didn't help out around any. All the way across, he kept saying, how deep is the ocean? <laughs> it was really cold flying over here. I ran out of blankets, so I wrapped myself in newspapers, and the newsprint came off on me. When I landed, the marcher plan was all over my chest, and the congressional committee was investigating my back. <laughs> General Clay was at the airport when I arrived. I ran out and said, here I am, General, all ready to go. He said, fine, get back down, we'll turn the plane around. <laughs> So I got off the plane singing Lily Marlene. A whack rushed up to me and said, Oh, Miss Dietrich, you've gone and cut your hair off, did you? <laughs> but this certainly has been an unusual experience flying into Berlin. It's the first time I was ever in a corridor and didn't have to worry about the house detective. <laughs> Soviet planes started to buzz us, but the first Russian pilot took one look at me and said, oh, okay, look at the hammerhead and the sickle. <laughs> I want to tell you, though, the good old Air Force hasn't changed. They make you spend an hour getting into a parachute, then fly so low you wouldn't have time to open a parasol. <laughs> in fact, one pilot flew so low over a farm around here, milk started forming in the wing. Lucky <laughs> the cow was bow-legged. Everybody follows me yelling and cheering. Any of you fellas know what swine hunt means? <laughs> you know, a lot of fellas, a lot of people volunteered to come over here for this trip, this Christmas trip here, and I now have the privilege of introducing one of America's all-time great men of the Air Force. I get a special charge out of presenting General Jimmy Doolittle. Thank you, Bob. I'll take less than a minute of your time, but as an average American, I want to express the gratitude and appreciation of 147 million Americans back home to the soldiers, sailors, and airmen who are accomplishing the airlift. You're doing a magnificent job, not only for Germany and America, but for all humanity. I also want to express the appreciation of all of us, to Senator Barkley, to Secretary Symington, and particularly to Bob Hope, Irving Berlin, Jinx Falkenberg, the Rockettes, and all of the generous and talented groups who are with them and are spending their Christmas here in order that they may bring home a little closer to you. Boat to 
song Cause I don't want to wait a moment too long to stay back I'd love to get you on a slow boat to China All to myself alone On the far away shore, way out on the briny, where the moon big and shiny, melting your heart of stone. Yes, I love to get you on a snowboat to China, all to myself. to our Swan Show this year. The folks back home have really latched onto it. I'm sure you'll agree with them when you meet Miss Eileen Ryan. It was wonderful of you to bring me on this trip. You know, I've met some of our boys here, and now I know why the Americans do such a wonderful job on the airlift. Really? What do you mean? Yes, I'm great on the pickup. <laughs>
Did you enjoy the stop over at Oh, yes. I went shopping and I had a complete new outfit. I bought an off-the-shoulder blouse and one of those long skirts that trails on the ground. Then I had my hair done up in stiff curls. And then I put on one of those French berets and they stopped me at the border. They, they did? Yes. The MP shined a light in my face and said, who are you? I told him that I was a girl from the United States and came in with the last shipment. He said, that's the trouble with those steamship lines. They let things lay around the dock too long. Yeah, but Bob, but I'd like 
get serious in a minute, if I may. All right. All of us are deeply indebted to the Air Force for the job they're doing here on the Berlin Airlift. And by way of showing my appreciation, I've written a special song. Every three minutes of every hour, an American plane goes winging to Berlin, loaded with the food and fuel which keep two and one-half million people alive. This is a tremendous job, as we know, and it's called Operation Vittel. Not long ago, a group we called the Air Corps helped build the wall and took a bow. Not long ago, we cheered the fighting Air Corps. Let's see what's happened to them now. Operation Vittel, we'll soon be on our way With coal and wheat and hay, and everything's okay Operation Vittel, as in the air we go We won't forget to blow, or kiss to Uncle Joe We're growing fonder of the wild blue yonder Making the buck, flying the truck No one here be little the job that must be won Although the war was won We'll there Earning stripes and bars In our own great cars Till the airlift Takes you Royally during holidays. 
Oh, different than the rest of the year. Oh, yes. On Christmas morning, each enlisted man is awakened by a gentle tug in his shoulder. And when he looks up from his bunk, 12 MPs are standing there singing Jingle Bell. <laughs> the MPs carry them in piggyback into the mess hall. The cook runs in with a flip gun full of beans and shoots them on the plate so that they spell out happy temporary duty. <laughs> Pretty well. Why are they always so anxious to get passes? Well, it gives them a chance to catch up on their reading. <laughs> but some of these fellas do go out, Jinx. In fact, I know one GI here who had a date with three girls every night, and each one is in a different sector. Well, listen, if each girl is in a different sector, how can you get around to see all three? Well, he's got a Hershey bar with wheels on it. <laughs> Girl. Let's show the folks back home how the soldiers of three sectors make love to a girl. Well. And now we take you to Berlin, where an American G.I. is calling on his sweetheart. Come in. Hiya, Beetle. <laughs> uh, the plane just landed at Temple Hall. Oh, Robert, it's good to see you. Come into the house and take your hat off. Okay. Do you love me, Reggie? Of course I do, Governor. <laughs> you make my blood run hot. Which is quite a feat when you consider it's half tea. made me very happy. Good. Now, enough of love. Who do you think will win next year's cricket matches? Oh, please. We're engaged now. Take me in your arms and kiss me. As you wish. There you are. Belle, did you like it? Tell me, who do you think will win next year's cricket matches?
celebrate the occasion, I have brought some vodka. What is vodka? That's a zombie that belongs to the Communist Party. <laughs> I have changed my mind. I've decided not to wait to hear from the Kremlin. I have decided that I love you. But I thought it was you that you loved. That's all right. I ain't jealous. Zambovichka. <laughs> Marry me. Oh, wonderful, Ivan. And maybe after a little while, there'll be a few little Ivans. A few? The first year of our marriage, we will have 15 children. Uh, 15 children in one year? How is that possible? Don't ask me. It's a new order from Stalin. Christmas with the men who run it is the biggest thing that's ever happened to us. It's a great pleasure. Both we spotted last night and here in Berlin with a lot of the men of the ground force. You know, I've been singing thanks for the memory for a good many years, but I never expected to sign off a show and go off the air with the memories of thrilling as Christmas at Operation Vittles. Speaking of thanks, I'd really like to spread them around and I'd say thanks to the gang making this Hollywood to Berlin and return jaunt with us. Jinx Falkenberg, Irving Berlin, Jane Harvey, Bill Fell. Tex McQuarrie, Irene Ryan, Tony Romano. They're the kind of people who make show business a business with a big, warm heart. And I want to put in a king-size thank you for Larry Gelbart, Cy Rose, Mort Lockman, Al Capstaff, Gene Wagner, Jim Sasser, Charlie Cooley, Jack Wormser, and my friend Jay Scott. They're the writers and directors and secretaries who put the airless at the top of their Christmas list. We couldn't have put on a show without them. And above all, our thanks to you men of the Berlin airless. It's been wonderful spending Christmas with you, and I only wish the Statue of Liberty could talk. Does she take one look at the job you're doing and say, Men, you're not only lifting coal, you're lifting men's hearts. You're raising the iron curtain. And the torch in my right hand, you're putting it in every heart in Europe. Good night, folks. And here's a little P.S. from the gang in the Berlin Airlift. Happy New Year! been listening to a special broadcast of the Bob Hope Christmas Show from Berlin, Germany. You have heard the show transcribed just as it was presented to the men of our United States Air Forces abroad. This broadcast was brought to you by Swan Soap, the newer, better white floating soap. Swan, better for dishes, better for hands, better for babies, better for bats. 
Be sure to listen next week when Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Swan, present the Bob Hope Show from Hollywood. Mirror, mirror on the wall is my happiest of them all. It is when you use Rave Cream Shampoo. Rave leaves your hair so clean, so soft, so easy to manage. Easy to manage because the pure lanolin in Rave is specially blended with other important ingredients to make hair behave, even on shampoo day. Try Rave Cream Shampoo. R-A-Y-V-E. Rave Cream Shampoo. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Here we go. You know at Christmas time, folks, you just can't leave out George and Gracie. So, yeah, this is uh, Burns and Allen Christmas, and it's called Gracie's Christmas. The makers of Campbell Soup present George Burns and Gracie Allen, Tony Martin and Ken Nile, and Henry King in this music. My sugar baked me with a grain of salt. You know, I've been getting a lot of letters lately since I've been telling you about my extra special favorite, Campbell's Chicken Soup. I get many that read like this. What you say about Campbell's Chicken Soup is absolutely true. I'm through making chicken soup at home now that I can have just as good, if not better, soup by asking for Campbell's. True? Why, of course it is. And I know good chicken soup myself, so I can tell you why Campbell's has been the soup sensation of the year and why women are buying three times as much as they did a short while ago. Now, this is why. It's that glorious, delicious chicken flavor, the through-and-through chicken richness, the golden glistening color, the snowy rice and delightful seasoning, and the pieces of tender chicken meat, too, just like the best homemade chicken soup you ever tasted. That's why. And you can have it any time you wish simply by asking your grocer for Campbell's Chicken Soup. Why not do that tomorrow? And here are George Burns and Gracie Allen. Thank you. 
very much. Well, Tracy, say hello to everybody. Yeah, hello, Tony. <laughs> hello, Tony. That's everybody? Well, everybody that matters, if you know what I mean. Yes, I think I know what you mean. Well, never mind saying hello to us, Gracie. I know you're very busy these days. Uh, by the way, have you got your Christmas shopping done? My Christmas shopping kit? Oh, sure. It's all done except buying the presents. Uh, Gracie, why don't you buy a Christmas present after Christmas? Well, that's what I'm going to do. On account of you don't know what people need until the day after Christmas. I know I'm heading for a headache. Now, for instance, after I get a present from a girlfriend, I can tell what she needs. Mm. Now, if she gives me a handbag, then I know she doesn't need a handbag. Because if she needed a handbag, then why did she give it to me? That's a good idea. I know. I made it up. You ought to have it stuffed. Ought to have it stuffed what? The handbag? No, your head. Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't get it. You don't, uh. Henry, you look at my face and you do not know who she is? Henry, that was last week, remember? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Say, Henry. Henry, uh, what are you going to give the boys in your band for Christmas? Oh, I don't know, Gracie. What do you suggest? Music lessons. Not a bad idea. Good idea. Gracie, what are you going to give me for Christmas? Well, George, did you see those star sapphire cufflinks down at the jewelry? You mean the ones set in platinum? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you think Tony Martin would like them? You're giving Tony Martin star sapphire cufflinks? What about me? Oh, I think he'd, he'd rather have cufflinks. Cufflinks? Cufflinks. You mean cut glass. <laughs> now, you do, um. <laughs> it's awfully sweet of you, Gracie. But Alan Spade bought me some cufflinks for my birthday. Ah, copycat. Copycat. <laughs> uh, hello. Who? Oh, just a minute. Uh, Gracie, a phone call for you, and the party said it's very important. Oh, well, it's probably the sponsor. Oh, the sponsor. I yeah. guess he wants to know whether Tony Martin is due this week or next week. Hmm. Never mind about Tony. Just answer the phone. All right. Uh, uh, hello, Mr. Chicken Soup. Mr. Chicken Soup? Uh, quite it's quite a first name. Yeah. Uh, what's that? Sam Chicken Soup. It's who? <laughs> now, you have to speak clearly. I don't recognize your voice. No. No, I don't remember meeting you. No. No, no, you must have the wrong party. No, Gracie, no. will you let me answer the phone? Hello. Who? Just a minute, Gracie, it's your mother. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh, hello, Mother. I didn't know you were sponsoring this program. If it's your mother, she's probably sponsoring a pad of cell for your daddy. Now, please, Judge. Mother can't hear what she's saying. She's lucky. What? No, no, that was George Burns, Mother. George Burns. <laughs> no, Burns. Burns. Look, Mother, if you light a match to the gas stove, what does it do? Oh, nothing? Oh, the gas is shut off? Uh, oh. Gracie, Gracie, find out what she wants. What, Mother? Oh, you're wrapping the Christmas presents. Oh, goody. What's that? Oh, oh, you want to know whether you should wrap them now or wait until you buy the presents? Gracie, don't make a quick decision. That takes a lot of thought. Oh, not for me, Gordon. Mm. Uh, what, Mother? Oh, you, you don't know whether to buy the presents now or wait until you get money? That's an idea. I think she'd better wait a little bit. Well, Mother, <laughs> uh, why don't you borrow the money till Daddy gets home? Mm. What? Oh, nobody will loan you the money for 20 years. <laughs> oh. Why don't you tell her to ask the warden, Gracie? Yeah, well, goodbye. Oh, by the way, Mother, how's Unky today? He's still dead, huh? <laughs> well, that's good. Goodbye. Well, that was a nice hunk of dialogue. Now, where was I? Uh, you were in a jewelry store picking up cufflinks for Tony Martin that Alice Faye has already picked out. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, George, the next time I see Caruso, remind me to ask him if he'd like to sing on this program. Hmm. Gracie, Caruso is dead. Well, all right, then you ask him. 
Look, there's one thing I'd like to explain to you. Tony Martin doesn't feel like coming up here at night and making love after making love at the studio all day. Thanks, George. You're welcome. Uh, now, Gracie, this morning I spent the entire morning kissing Simon Simon. Ah, oh, the poor kid. You must be tired. Take me in your arms and tell me all about it, Tony. Yeah, he's all in. Yeah. Well, I rehearsed a love scene with her 20 times. Oh, what you need is a rest, Tony. Let me sit in your lap. Mm. Tony, so Simon Simon kissed you 20 times. Mm, I'd like to do that. Well, go ahead, George. I'll hold them for you, and then you can hold them for me. <laughs> Uh, Tony, why don't you get Gracie into one of your pictures? I'll bet I'd be, a, I'd be great as a heroine. Mm, yeah, because heroin is a dope. <laughs> oh, please, Jack. And after kissing Simon Simon all afternoon, I did nothing but hug and kiss Janet Gaynor. Hmm. You spent all morning making love to Simone Simone and all afternoon hugging and kissing Janet Gaynor? Yeah. Oh, just my luck to be out tonight, Chip. Sing by... And the sun's descending in the west once more Night is falling, I can hear love calling On the dear old city shore Everybody knows that it's just a muddy river But it seems like heaven on high When the moon is shining let me dream away the night Where the lazy river goes by away, let us be Just the river, you and me Everything is still All along the Mississippi Ain't no one as happy as I Oh, I never want to roam. Let me live and make my home where the lazy river goes by. Come on out, Henry. Come on, get on those blacks and whites. Trust me on that. Here's the end. Everybody knows. But it's just a muddy river, but it seems like heaven on high. When the moon is shining bright, let me dream away the night where the lazy river goes by. Get you away, let us be just the river, you and me. Everything is still all along the Mississippi. Ain't no one as happy as I Oh, I never want to roam Let me live and take my home Where the lazy river goes by Where the lazy, lazy river goes Where the lazy river goes by from the picture with a banjo on my knee. Tony, you're swell. Thanks, George. Well, Gracie, how did you like Tony Martin? Oh, I think he's beautiful. Yeah, he's pretty, um... You know, Gracie, uh, 
What uh, What do you want Santa Claus to give you for Christmas? Would a stocking hold all you want? Well, no. But a pair of Tommy Moppy socks would. I say, I say. Well, that's if he's got a pair of socks. Yeah. Well, now, just think. Two more days and it'll be December 25th. Yeah. And a week later, New Year's Eve. Yeah. Seven weeks from then, Washington's birthday. Mm. Five months after that, Fourth of July. Well, oh, well, well. Half of next year gone already, and it isn't even Christmas yet. Mm. Time certainly flies, don't you think so? Yes, I think so. Gracie, you forgot April Fool. I'm coming to you, Judge. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. As some people like Christmas, but personally, I like Labor Day much better than Easter out of color the Christmas trees. Mm. You, uh, you have Christmas trees on Labor Day? Mm-hmm. Then what will you have on Christmas? Well, I'll take the same as you do, George. Only more ginger ale than mine. I don't know what you're doing for Christmas, but I'm having a poor family for dinner. Well, that's nice. We're having turkey. <laughs> well, that's kind of different. Sitting with stuffing. Yeah. I'm a checky stuffing. You know... Take it easy. Just give it Just speak with it. <laughs> Oh, God, let me talk. Yes. If it weren't for one thing, I could sit under the mistletoe and kiss Tony Martin to my heart's content. Mm, and what's the one thing? Well, who wants to spend a dime for mistletoe? Mm. Well, Tony, Gracie's got a man on. Gracie, let's cut that out. I don't want to start talking about kissing the minute I get down to work. Well, that's what I say. Let's cut out the talking and get down to work. Mm. In the first place, kissing is unhealthy. Isn't that right, Henry? I don't know. You don't know? You've never been kissed? I've never been sick. Is that so? Will you set me for me because she looked bad? Tony Martin, I'm going to teach you a lesson. You mean you're going to fire me off this program? Oh, worse than that, I'm going to make you act in my Christmas play. And I'm going to do it sometime pretty soon right now. You're going to do a Christmas play sometime pretty soon right now? Yeah, almost quicker than immediately. Well, let's not act hastily. Oh. <laughs> well, I only got something to be swell, Gracie. Is it another historical play? No, Ken. It's just sort of a kind of a special Christmas play I wrote called uh, Dickens' Christmas Carol. Oh. <laughs> I must be wrong. I thought Dickens' Christmas Carol was written by Dickens. <laughs> That's what he thought, too. <laughs> That's what who thought, Dickens? No, Carol. Christmas Carol. Oh, yeah, I know him very well. A tall fellow with a face, he said. Well, don't be silly, George. Christmas Carol isn't a him. It's a her. A her? Bill Carol's sister. Oh, Bill Carol's sister, yes. Very cute, too. Gracie, who's who in the screwy play of yours? You, George, you're playing the part of the Scrooge, the stingy old miser. Well, I don't think I'll be able to read the script because mice is sore. You're horrible, <laughs> please. I knew it was bad. I didn't like it. Oh, I guess so. Thank you. All right, so I'm Scrooge. Yeah, but we'll call you Scroogey Poogey. Scroogey Poogey. <laughs> and boy. Yeah. Boy, you play the three ghosts. The three ghosts, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. You know, this is a ghost the ghost program, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Ken. The Pacific Ghost, the Atlantic Ghost, and it just goes to show you. And we all act in this play, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, I know the play, Gracie. We're the three ghosts that come to haunt Scrooge. Right, Tony. Ken, yep. you're the ghost of the past. Henry? Yep. You're the ghost of the present. And Tony? Yes. Yeah, oh, no, wait a minute. Oh, Tony, you can't be the ghost of the future. Why not? Well, it's because the way you've been behaving, I'm afraid you haven't got a future on this program. Oh, shit. <laughs> Do you follow me, Tony? Yes, I follow you, Grace. Well, you better stop following me, Alice. You'll get awfully angry. Mm. All right, Gracie, and what part do you play? I'm Mrs. Fezziwig. Mrs. Fezziwig? Yes. Who is Mrs. Fezziwig? Well, she's the wife of Mr. Fezziwig and the mother of all their fuzzy little toupees. <laughs> fuzzy little toupees. <laughs> and, um, and what do you do in this play? Well, as long as the boys are ghosts, I have to be the ghostess. Ghostess? You mean you're a lady ghost? No, a dancehall ghostess. Henry, the music. Henry, King of the family. 
afraid to be lying with a bald you. But I knew I was wrong when you came along. Oh, where, where have you been all my life? Now that I find you, my life will be so on my favorite subject, Campbell's Chicken Soup. And if you can see the way Campbell's make it, you'd know why it's so extra delicious, just like the finest homemade chicken soup you ever tasted. Now, Campbell's use all the good tender meat of plump chickens, the kind of chickens you'd select for your own table. And they simmer the broth slowly until it's outstandingly delicious with chicken goodness. Outstandingly delicious flavor. That's what has made Campbell's Chicken Soup such a great favorite in so short a time. So much so that women everywhere are buying three times more than they did a short while ago. And the minute you taste it, I know you're going to be captivated, too. If you want to make an extra special hit for the family, just place before them Campbell's Chicken Soup. Don't put it off. Why not ask your grocer for it tomorrow? And now, for Gracie Allen's masterpiece, Dickens' Christmas Carol. Conceived, written, directed, produced, released, presented, and sponsored by Gracie Allen. Yeah, and I'm pretty, too. Quiet, quiet. <laughs> now, remember, George, your food's the miser. Yes. All your life, you've hoarded jokes. And on Christmas Eve, the ghosts of the past, present, and future of radio come back to haunt you. I see. They're still haunting for their jokes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. And I'm Mrs. Fezziwig, the widow lady. And when the scene opens, you're at home in the attic, and I'm trying to get you to donate some jokes to the starving masters of ceremony. Well, this is going to be a nice play. Yeah. Ken the cat. All right. Ebenezer Scrooge, the mean old miser of the airways, George Burns. Mrs. Loudspeaker Fezziwig, the nitwit of the network, Gracie Allen. The ghost of the past. Oh! Something he ate, I guess. Ken Niles. The ghost of the present, Tony Martin. The ghost of the future, Henry King. Time, midnight, Christmas Eve. Curtain. Are you ready, ghost? Yes. Yeah. Music. A haunting we will go. A haunting we will go. A haunting we will go. Oh, go ahead, <laughs> So this is Christmas Eve. And everybody is happy. I am not happy. They call me Ebenezer Scrooge, the joke miser. What fools people are to be happy on Christmas Eve. <laughs> I sure feel sorry for all the four masters of ceremonies on a cold night like this without a joke on their backs. Rose! Rose, let me in! Let me in! This is Mrs. Hmm. Come in and close the door. Close the door. It's chilly outside. But 
Well, Scoogey Poogey, if I close the door, will it make it warmer up there? Hmm. It's a nasty snowstorm outside. I'm chilled to the bone. Well, it serves you right for going without a hat. <laughs> That's very funny, Mrs. Fezziwig. I'll put that away with the rest of my jokes. 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 Shades <laughs> of Al Jolson, Mrs. Fezziwig. Do you see this ghostly figure wrapped in a sheet? Oh, yes, good. It's either Mahatma Gandhi or a man without Mahatma coat and the vest. Quiet. Speak, ghostly guest. Who are you? What brings you here? Who am I? Where I play folks back in to hear my wife cracking on radio. I want now. There's no use in guessing. My name I'm confessing. <gasps> the mayor of Texas. <laughs> <Your name. laughs> well, what brought you here? I've come to haunt you, Scrooge, for stealing my jokes, you know? You know? Mm. I don't believe you're a candle. All I can see is an empty sheet. Yeti, where'd you park your carcass? <laughs> don't haunt me, Eddie. I'm Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, Eddie, Eddie, I'm an old man. Look at me. I'm all bent over. Yeah, from lifting everybody's joke. Oh, that's Ted Lewis. <laughs> hush, hush. <laughs> You've stolen my best joke. I've got a goat in my house who hasn't got a nose. Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> and uh, who are you? Hello again. Mm. I'm the ghost of Jack Benny. Yeah. Sounds like the goat of Jack Benny. You don't look like Jack Benny. Well, George, if you were dead as long as Tony Martin, you wouldn't look like Jack Benny either. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I know what you mean. Eddie Cantor. Well, Eddie, what are you doing all dressed up in a sheet? Well, it's like this, Jack. This sheet is cut down the high cost of living. By wearing a sheet, I don't have to buy a suit, a collar, or a necktie. When I come home at night in a sheet, I'm ready for bed. When I wake up in the morning, I'm already in a sheet. And instead of expensive cleaning and pressing bills, I can have my sheet washed for 22 cents a pound. Ha! And don't I have to look for a collar button? No, no. Ha-ha! <laughs> you get it, Jimmy? Ha-ha! Wonderful, Ken. You ought to be able to give an imitation of Hoppo Mark. Well, the great thing, Hoppo Mark can't talk. Mm, I know. Mm. <laughs> Gracie, what's that he can't or got that I haven't got? Five dollars. Mm. Well, Buck Benny, what do you want? Scrooge, I'm here to haunt you. You stole my joke, a joke that I originated, a joke that made me famous. We've got to go to our house without a nose. How does it smell? Terrible, Jack. I use it on my program, too. Quick, Mrs. Fezziwig, the pencil, it sounds like a new one. Jokes, 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 jokes. Ha, ha, ha. Well, sort of a classic. <laughs> well, who are you? Good evening, folks. Welcome to Town Hall tonight. down with an elephant, as the man in the kosher butcher shop used to say. <laughs> I hope to kiss a pig if it isn't Portland, Fezziwig. Nice work, Henry. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised myself. I must be a mimic. What? You must be a mimic. You're a mimic? Mm. Uh, you mean you haven't any red corpuscles? <laughs> uh, well, Freddie Allen, have you come to haunt me about the goat at your house that hasn't got a nose? No, not only am I a comedian, I'm a clever writer. I'd switch that joke. We've got a nose at our house that hasn't got a goat. Some twist. A nose that... A nose without a goat. <laughs> well, maybe it's Jimmy Durante. Jimmy Durante, the nose miser. <laughs> oh, wait. We've got a goat that's got a nose. But we've got a house that hasn't got a yard. 
Well, if you've got a house that hasn't got a yard, how does the goat play? Like Henry King. <laughs> the pencil. Jokes, jokes, jokes. What's that? <laughs> the ghost of Major Bo's gong. Mm. Well, it didn't have a very good ring. Well, you mind it? What do you want for nothing? The Westminster chime? Oh, that's a very good joke, Mrs. Fezziwig, for this chime of the year. Oh, oh careful, Scrooge. Giving away those jokes, they'll be calling you Good Chime Charlie. Good Chime Charlie! <laughs> that's a beauty. <laughs> Scrooge, before I can... Before I go, you yes. can do me a few favors. Yes, Jack Benny. What favors would you like? Strawberry, raspberry, orange, lemon, lime. And Campbell's chicken soup. Thanks, Gracie. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Well, goodbye, Jack Benny. Mm, goodbye. And a Merry Christmas to you. Goodbye. And a Merry Living Sin to you, too. Mm. Well, Eddie Candor, I've got every joke you ever used. I'm living on the fat of the land. The fat of the land? Well, you must have Jack Bernard, too. I've got him. Well, I can't expect a joke from a miser like you, but I thought you might at least give me a little pun. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, isn't that you, George? Eddie Candor's got five daughters, and now he's looking for a little pun. <laughs> jokes, jokes. Well, Freddie Allen, aren't you going back to town hall? No, I'm going nuts. Well, you're lucky, Fred. Everyone else has a long trip ahead of them. Mm. Goodbye, Freddie. Goodbye. Callie, hi. Henry, the music. How Gracie will sing I Love You from Coast to Coast. Sing it, Gracie. I love you has been said in so many ways. It's hard to find something new. Still I tried and I managed to call in all praise. In praise of you. It's my ambition audition for a swell radio call just to tell you I love the love of you from coast to coast it's not the money in the honey that I keep thinking of most it's the chance to romance you from coast to coast sometimes I start to pour out my heart in writing but through a mic, the words are more exciting. So if I get work on the network, honey, I'll sing you a toast. When I broadcast, I love a bubba bubba you. I don't mean high fit. I don't mean I'm strong. I don't mean Henry. I mean some close to home. Meanwhile, remember that you can have the finest chicken soup you ever tasted simply by asking for Campbell's chicken soup. You'll find it to be the delicious, nourishing, old-fashioned kind. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Your station is KHJ, Don Lee, Los Angeles. Time signal, courtesy Schaefer Pen and Pencil Company. Settle that perplexing Christmas gift problem with a genuine Schaefer dry-proof fountain pen desk set. Okay, now we're going to put the strawberry and whipped cream on top of my sundae. And um, this week it's not off the wall. It's actually a Christmas thing. Um, and so what it is, is Lux Radio Theater. And... Miracle on 34th Street. 
Enjoy. Susan. Give me the 
Yes, Mr. Joe Hammond. You made such for a Thanksgiving dinner, but I just had to tell you, your Santa Claus was stupendous. Well, thank you. Mr. Macy himself wants him to be our toy department Santa Claus. Well, fine. Can you hire him? I already have. Oh, oh he's a born salesman. I just feel it. Good. We'll talk about it in the morning. Thanks for calling, Mr. Joe Hammer. Before you go to the toy department, here's a list of toys that we we have to push. Huh? You know, things we're overstocked on. Oh. Now, you'll find that a great many children will be undecided as to what they want for Christmas. When that happens, you immediately suggest one of these items. <laughs> you understand? I certainly do. Fine. Now, take the list, and Alfred here will show you to your throne in the toy department. And don't forget, you're working for Macy's. Are you really Santa Claus? Why, of course I am. What do you want for Christmas, little boy? I want a fire A real hose that squirts real rough water. And I won't do it in the house. I'll only do it in the backyard. I promise. And I promise you will get your fire engine. You see, Mama? I told you. Walker, what's yours? Mine? Chris Kringle. I'm Santa Claus. Oh, 
Oh, oh, you don't believe that, eh? Uh-oh. You see, my mother's Mrs. Walters. Oh. I must say, you're the best-looking Santa Claus I've ever seen. Really? Your beard, oh. for instance. It doesn't have one of those things that goes over your ears. Well, that's just because it's real. Just like I'm really Santa Claus. Now, go ahead. Go on. Pull it. Real. Yeah. And now, what would you like me to bring you for Christmas? Nothing, thank you. Whatever I want, my mother will get. It's a sensible one. doesn't cost too much. That's oh. quite right. Mm-hmm. Oh, hello, hello, Mrs. Walker. Hello, Mr. Gailing. The explanation for all this is very simple. Your maid's mother sprained her ankle. She had to go home, so she asked me to bring Susie down to you. As long as we were here, I figured we might as well say hello to Santa Claus. He has real whiskers, Mother. Susan, would you mind standing over there a minute? If you want me to. I uh, shouldn't have brought Susie to see Santa, eh? Now you're making me feel completely hurt. Well, I'm sorry. Don't you see? I tell Susan that Santa Claus is a fable, and you show her a very convincing old man with real whiskers. Whom is she to believe? Yeah, that's right. When Susan was a baby, her father and I were divorced. Ever since then, I've protected my child by teaching her reality. If you don't believe in fairy tales and fantasy, you can never be hurt if it's illusion. We were talking about Susie, Mrs. Walker. And I must ask you to let me raise her as I see fit. All right, dear, the store's going to close soon. We'll run along to my office. <laughs> Alfred said you wanted to see me, Mrs. Walker. Oh, oh yes, come in. I, um, I'd be grateful if you'll please tell Susan you're not really Santa Claus. Huh? That there actually is no such person. Oh, but Mrs. Walker, not only is there such a person, but here I am to prove it. No, no, you misunderstand. I want you to tell her the truth. Now, what's your real name? Chris Pringle. And I always tell the truth. Susie, I'll bet you're in the first grade. Second grade. I mean, your real name. Oh, that is my real name. My goodness, Susie, a second grade. Very well. I have your employment card right here. I'll look it up on that. That's a very cute dress, Susie. It's for Macy's. We get 10% off. Oh. Do so you always tell the truth, do you? Look at your employment card. Yes. Name, Chris Kringle. Address, Brooks Memorial Home, Great Neck, Long Island. You will call the home if you get to confirm it, Mrs. Walker. It's a home for elderly gentlemen. Would you also like for me to confirm this? What's that? Date of birth. As old as my tongue and a little bit older than my teeth. Place of birth. North Pole. Now, really. Why, I believe you doubt me, Mrs. Walker. And this tops everything. Next of kin. Oh, that. Dasher, dancer, prattler, and victim. <laughs> I'm sorry to have to do this, Mr. Uh, Crinkle. But the, um, the Santa Claus we had two years ago is back in town, and I feel that we owe it to him to give him Have I done something wrong? Oh, no. No, it's just a... Excuse me. Hello? Yeah, this is Mr. Shellham, Mrs. Walker. Oh, whatever you're doing, Mr. Macy wants to see us immediately. I'll be right up. I'm afraid I'll have to be very abrupt with you. I have to see Mr. Macy. You'll be paid for the full week. Mr. Kringle. I'll send you a check to that address. No, come right in, Mrs. Walker, Mr. Shelley. Thank you, Mr. Macy. Now, uh, about this new policy you two initiated. Macy's Santa Claus sending customers to Gimble. But I can explain everything, Mr. Macy. You don't have to explain a thing. Look, Look at my desk. 42 telegrams and over 500 phone calls. Grateful parents expressing 
expressing undying gratitude to Macy's department store. Would you... Oh, you don't say. Yes. And from now on, not only will our Santa Claus continue in this manner, but every salesperson in the entire store. You... You mean if we haven't got what the customer asked for, we... We're to send him where he can get it. No more high-pressuring and forcing a customer to take something he doesn't really want. I, I, I think that's wonderful, Mr. Macy. Yes, yes, yes. We'll be known as the... as the helpful store, the, the friendly store. The store that places public service ahead of profits. And consequently, we'll make more profits than ever. Now, as for you, Mrs. Walker, Mr. Shellhammer, you'll find a more practical expression of my gratitude in your Christmas time. Oh, thank you, Mr. Macy. Well, thank you. Oh, and, uh... And tell that wonderful Santa Claus I won't forget him either. Now, as a matter of fact, I'll tell him myself in the morning. Well, yes, indeed, Mr. Mason. Good night. Good night. Uh, good night, Mr. Mason. Uh, and thank you again, sir. Uh, uh, oh, 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 imagine a bonus. Yes. What's the matter with you? Mr. Shellhammer, I... I just fired him. You just fired oh. him? Santa Claus! Oh, no! Well, you couldn't have! Oh, I did! He's crazy, Mr. Shellhammer. He really thinks he is Santa Claus! I don't care if he thinks he's the Easter Bunny! Find him! It was a frantic few hours that Dora spent last night rushing out to the Brooks Memorial Home in Long Island and assuring Chris Kringle that Macy's wanted him back as Santa Claus. So Chris is again presiding over the counter toy department, while in her office, Doris and Mr. Shellhammer... Don't you understand, Mr. Shellhammer? That old man with the nice white whiskers insists that he is Santa Claus. He's out of his mind. He might even be dangerous. I've got to tell Mr. Macy. But maybe he's only a little balmy. Anyway, you can't be sure until he's examined. We'll send him to Mr. Sawyer. Sawyer? In personnel. He's paid to examine employees, isn't he? Uh, and now, by the way, what do you think of this? What is it? A full-page ad. Macy's is running in tomorrow's newspaper. Macy's is running it? But it's all about the other store, Jules and Sam. I know, I know. Mr. Macy's idea to help our customers find what they want. <sighs> Revolting, isn't it? <laughs> that Santa Claus certainly has started something. Well, I'll get hold of him in his lunch hour and send him up to Mr. Sawyer. So I changed my clothes, Mr. Sawyer, and came right up. Oh, then that's your own beard, eh? Oh, yes. Uh, interesting complex in the back of that. Why do you carry a cane? Oh, always carry a cane, Mr. Sawyer. Well, that is when I wear street clothes. I carved this cane out of a runner from one of my own slaves. What's that? What's With that? a fine, solid silver top. Who was the first president of the United States? Oh, give me a difficult one. Like, who was vice president under James Monroe? I am conducting this examination. Well, the answer is Daniel D. Tompkins. You're a, a rather a nervous man, aren't you? <laughs> you get enough sleep. My personal habits are no concern of yours. What hand am I holding up? Right hand. How many fingers do you see? Three. Oh, dear, and you bite your nails. <laughs> Stand up. Feet together, arms extended. Muscular coordination test? Oh, I've seen dozens of those tests. Mr. Sawyer, are you happy at home? 
perhaps it will be all, Mr. Kringle. The examination is over. Thank you. And it may interest you to know that I have been happily married for 22 years. Very happily married. Delighted to hear it. Goodbye, Mr. Sawyer. Miss Tom. Yes, sir? Get Mrs. Walker on the phone. Yes, sir. But your wife, Mrs. Sawyer, she's called four times already. Tell her, big fat wife, to shut up and mind her own business. Here's Mrs. Walker, sir. Hello? I was just going to call you, Mrs. Sawyer. There's a Dr. Pierce stopping by this afternoon at three. Who is Dr. Pierce? He's the physician at the Brook Home. I thought we might discuss Mr. Kringle's case with him. There's hardly any point in discussing it, Mrs. Walker. Obviously, the old man should be discharged. That's it. And keep 
Scratch it, see? Now, then, we'll do it together, eh? Come on. Chatter and scratch and scratch and chatter. Yeah, that's fine, Susan. You're doing beautifully. Thank you very much. Well, Mr. 
Dibble. Come on, R.H. Now we'll go over to my store and get some really good pictures. <laughs> Just a minute. I have something here for Santa Claus. Okay. Uh, here you are, Mr. Kringle. A check in appreciation of all you've done. Mr. Macy. That's most kind of you. I didn't think you were that generous, R.H. <laughs> That's quite a check. What are you going to do with Mr. Kringle? Well, I have a friend, a Dr. Pierce. He needs a new x-ray machine. I'll buy the machine through the store. 10% discount. Nonsense. Come over to Gimble. We'll furnish it at cost. Keep it up, gentlemen. Keep it up. <laughs> at this rate, my friend will have a whole new hospital. <laughs> How did the pictures turn out, Mr. Kringle? Oh, fine, Alfred. Fine. How about again checkers during lunch hour? Well, not today, Chris. I, uh, I don't feel so good. Huh? What's the matter, Alfred? Oh, nothing much. You remember I was telling you how I like to play Santa Claus over at the Y and give out packages to the kids? Yeah. Well, I was telling Mr. Sawyer about it, and he says that's very bad. What? That uh, psychologically it's all wrong. Wrong? To be nice to children? Well, he says guys who play Santa Claus do it because when they was young they must have done something bad. Oh. And now they do something they think is good to make up for it. It's what he calls a, a guilt complex. Uh, Alfred... What else have you found wrong with you? Oh, nothing much. Just that I hate my father. Oh? I didn't know it, but he says I do. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, hey, ain't you going to have lunch? Later. Right now, I have an appointment with Mr. Oh. What do you mean, breaking into my office like this? Are you a licensed psychiatrist? What business is it of yours? I have a great respect for psychiatry and great contempt for meddling amateurs who go around practicing it. You shut up. You ought to be horsewhipped. Taking a boy like Alfred and filling him up with complexes and phobias and... I think I am better equipped to judge that than you. Just because Alfred wants to be kind to children, you tell him he has a guilt complex. <laughs> Having the same delusion, you couldn't possibly understand. And don't you wave that pain at me. Either you stop analyzing Alfred and I'll go straight to Mr. Macy and tell him what a contemptible fraud you are. You get out of here. Get out before I have you thrown out. There's only one way to handle a man like you. Well, maybe this will knock some sense into you. Yes, oh, help. Oh, oh, my head, my head. Okay, oh. Mr. Sawyer. Miss Brown. Miss Brown, get me the police. Get me Mrs. Walker. Get me the psychopathic ward at Bellevue Hospital. <laughs> Like, well, like Susie. We're just beginning. 
Chris, you're letting us down. Huh? Well, maybe you're right. Of course you're right. I ought to be ashamed of myself. Let's get out of here. Now, wait a minute. You funked your mental examination, but good. Oh, yes, so I did. Well, you're a lawyer. You fix it. Hey, hey, now, look. I won't let you down, and you won't let me down. Now, Chris, take it easy. Look, uh, there'll have to be a hearing. If you're going to be committed, it's got to be before a judge. Well? Well, if I can do anything at all, it'll have to be in that courtroom. Sit tight, Chris. I'll get an idea. <laughs> I'll have to.
Mr. Kringle is the subject of this sanity hearing. Not I. Well, Your Honor, I intend to prove that Mr. Santa Claus. Mr. Mara, I thought you said this was a cut and dry sanity hearing. Well, I thought it was, Your Honor. Uh, in view of Mr. G- I'll have to retire back to join to. Eating my dinner. Who's been subpoenaed? Well, how do you think I feel about it? Yes, I'll see you tomorrow. Who is that, dear? R.H. Macy has been subpoenaed. Oh, ma. They make me look like a sadistic monster who likes nothing better than to drown pussy cats and tear wings off a butterfly. Quiet, dear. Tommy's still awake. Oh, oh, yes. It would break his heart if he knew what he's doing. I'm doing my job as assistant district attorney. Well, I'm not so sure, but that I agree with him. Mr. Kringle looks like a very nice old man, and I am persecuting him. I am not persecuting him. I'm prosecuting him. <laughs> I like you, but there's nothing I can do about it. You know something, Thomas? Sometimes I wish I'd married a well, plumber. Well, if I lose this case very much, R.H. Macy, huh? I wonder what he's going to pull tomorrow. <laughs>
question of Santa Claus seems to be largely a matter of opinion. The tradition of American justice demands a broad and unprejudiced view of such a controversial matter. But your honor, this court, therefore, intends to keep its mind open. We shall ask for evidence on either side. But your honor, the burden of proof clearly rests with my opponent here. Can he produce any evidence to support his view? If your honor, please, I can. Will Thomas Mara please take the stand? Who? Me? No, no. Thomas Mara, Jr. I believe he and his mother are both in court today. Hi, Papa. Hi. <laughs> Tommy, do you believe in Santa Claus? I sure do. Gosh, he gave me a brand new sled last year. Mm-hmm. Now, Tommy, what does Santa Claus look like? Oh, there he is, sitting right over there. You're right over the room. Tommy, why are you so sure that it's Santa Claus? Because my papa told me so. <laughs> Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Papa. Uh, yes, you certainly will. <laughs> You're a runner. Don't forget Santa Claus. Uh, this year I want a football helmet. Don't worry, Tommy. You'll get it. Mr. Kringle, if you don't mind. I'm sorry, sir. Your Honor, the state of New York concedes the existence of a Santa Claus, but in so conceding, we demand that Mr. Gailey stop presenting personal opinion as evidence. I insist he submit authoritative proof that Mr. Kringle here is the one and only Santa Claus. Now, Mr. Gailey, are you prepared to show that Mr. Kringle is Santa Claus on the basis of unprejudiced authority? Well, uh, no, uh, not now. I need a little time. Oh, why not now? Uh, tomorrow, Your Honor. Very well. Court's adjourned till tomorrow morning. having this trial because he says he's Santa Claus. He's so kind and nice and jolly. He's not like anyone else I know. He must be Santa. You know something? I think perhaps you're right. Is Mr. Kringle sad now, Mother? I'm afraid he must be. Then I'll write him a letter. Maybe that'll make him feel better. Maybe that'll cheer him up a little bit. Santa Claus. 
And since tonight is Christmas Eve, I ask, Your Honor, that this hearing be terminated without further delay. I protest I do have evidence. Five minutes ago, you said you didn't. During Mr. Mara's oration, the bailiff handed my client the evidence I referred to. What evidence? Them people. I found. Hello, Doris. 
Mr. Daly. Merry Christmas, Susie. Gosh, you just got here and we're just ready to leave. Oh, I've been here. And if you're ready to leave, I'll drive you home. So before you go, here. Here's a map I've made for you. You will miss a lot of traffic. About four miles south, you will see Ashley Avenue. That's the street you want. Ashley Avenue. Thanks, Kristen. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Fred. And to you, my dear. And to you, Susie. Mr. Kringle, I do believe. I do. It's silly, I suppose, but I do.
folks that's it for this week um and uh, we hope you've enjoyed being with us and um i hope that you'll tell other people about the show and if you want to contact us um you can contact uh victor at whose blind life is it anyway at gmail.com you can connect with him on Twitter at BlindHose, B-L-I-N-D-W-H-O-S-E. Um, you can connect with him on Facebook at Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway. Um, me, I'm on Facebook, just simply Monica Jones. Um, you can connect me with me at CoffeeGal62 at gmail.com. That's C-O-F-F. B-E-G-A-L-6-2 at gmail.com um, or you can connect with me on Twitter at Moni60 M-O-N-N-I 60 so um, I wish every one of you a happy holiday season and um, join me back next week because I'll have some more Christmas for you bye bye